Welcome back to Absurdity. I am joined once again by Tony Anoboli, one of my bestest friends hey in the whole wide world. Hey How you doing, man? Doing good. Looking good with your haircut. Thank you. Yeah. I have a fresh new haircut. I went to an optometrist for the first time in a while. I won't nice. say how long. It's a little embarrassing. And uh, yeah, dude, it, it was... You know when you're a kid and you get glasses, you wouldn't because you don't wear glasses. But those of you who wear glasses, you know when you have that first uh, like change and your eyes have really gone bad and like you almost like everything's too focused. That's how it was for the last. Today's the first day where it's like it doesn't hurt for me to look at things. So, <laughs> that's nice. It's nice to have contacts. Like, again. Oh, this is what. Shapes I mean, look like yeah, right. Like um, ah, defined shapes. Why can I see things that are more than eight feet from my face? Yeah, exactly. So strange. Well, I um, a we, whole new world. We yeah. both had very, uh, very eye-opening experiences. Hey. Um, in that, uh, I finally got an MRI for my back um, last week. I've spent over two thousand dollars trying to fix lower back problems that I've had. Done physical therapy yeah, been, three different times. Yeah. It's been. I've had this for about three and a half well, years I mean, now. You, but you had back problems even before that. No, I had bad posture, but I didn't oh, have back okay, problems. Okay. No, no, I didn't okay. have back problems. Um. The, but yeah, it, it used to be a spasm here and there that would take, that would, you know, take me out of, out of the game for, uh, for a week or so, or potentially two weeks on occasion. But now it's turned into just chronic pain. Um, it's been slightly chronic for the last, um, comes in waves, but not, no big spasms, just kind of like it's there. Yeah. And if I exacerbate yeah. it, it hurts worse, um, for a little over a year now. Um, but over the last four months, it's turned into just straight up all the time. My back is hurting. If I exist, yeah, I am. Existence is pain. Is pain. <laughs> the idea of existence is pain. Um, so finally, yeah. told my doctor, I was like, "Look, I've done all these things. They don't work." And like one of the physical therapists that I went to is one that she told me to go to. Like, mm-hmm. so I've already brought this up with her. Did an MRI. Turns out I have three or four bulging discs. Ooh. And um, yeah, so that's gonna be fun. On the plus side, right out, you know, it's nice to know what it actually is. Everyone's thought it was muscular um, because I didn't show all of the symptoms of a bulging or turning a disc. And so now that I have a bolt, now that I know what it is, I feel like I can actually attack this and and deal with it for the first time in three years. (laughs) So we'll see how that plays out. Well, yeah. And and I was going to say, like, back, back and pain issues are two that just they can be so touchy, you know, it's almost Mm -hmm. like head injuries. You know, we, 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 there still really isn't a lot of information about like how mm-hmm. it works and it's really sensitive. So yeah, it's, I feel you, man. Well, and I will say, I'm glad that I got the results when I did, because literally the day that I got them that evening, I was supposed to go down to Atlanta and help a friend move the next day out of his third floor apartment. <laughs> um, oh. And the second I realized what I have, I went, you know what? We're not probably going to not do that. Love you, but no. so, and they didn't end up needing me. Um, they they had enough people, so it was fine. But yeah, just very glad to have gotten that diagnosis. When yeah, because that's I mean, you can start the process at least. I but, always tell people, you know, it, it's never great to know you have something, whatever it is. You know, I have a friend that was diabetes. Another friend, it was um, they had a, a, a not Hansen's disease, uh, the gluten allergy. Oh, uh, celiac. Celiac, yeah. There's a funny that celiac, and it's like, yeah, it sucks that you have this now, but at least you know what it is. Yeah, you can actually deal you with know, it. It's, it's just like, oh, okay, you can you can deal with it. 
um, you know, oh, it's bulging discs. Okay, good. The I'm, problem is until you know what it is, you can't create the new normal. Right. Exactly. Once you know what it is, you have to mourn the fact that you are going to have to have a new normal if it's something permanent like that. But at least you can then yeah. start to adjust and create that new normal and right. and, yeah. and get well, agency exactly in your life. It. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. So... Yeah. The downside is, though, you know, we're recording this in the midst of all of the all of the protests happening across the country. Yeah. And I would love literally I would love to be out there. But I mean, at this point, like standing for even 10 minutes while my dog is outside makes me need to lay down for another hour. Like there's no until I get this under control. I'm I, I I'm not comfortable going out regardless of any other comorbidities I have regarding COVID-19 still being yeah. a problem. So I'm doing what I can from my desk and have been um, really active on Trying. YouTube. If you have yeah. not seen the YouTube channel, go check that out. There's a link in the show notes. Um, but yeah, I'm doing, doing my thing. And merch. So, uh, check out. Yeah. We'd love love to have you guys check it out. Uh, absurdity. Yes, Absurd the Network. Absurdity. Absurd, Absurd Network. Network. Yeah, absurdnetwork.com slash merch if you want some yeah. cool branded clothing. Um, but there is something before the protest that happened that was pretty significant that rocked the Christian world. Yeah. And is something that I felt it was kind of an eye opener for me in general, since we're sticking with that pun. Um, the Tony got something in his eye the second I said yeah, eye opener. It was amazing. Um, <laughs> the It's something that caught me off guard when I saw it, mainly because I did not know that it was even a big deal remotely among our own faith tradition, um, which was the um, the death of Ravi Zacharias, who is a super popular um, Indian-born, Canadian-American Christian apologist. That is a lot of hyphens. Say um, that five times fast. Yeah. Um, so he's a Christian apologist, um, and I would I would definitely term him as an apologist, not necessarily an evangelist. Yeah, I, I saw that term thrown around a lot, and I, and I was like, I've never. Indir- I think indirectly you could count it as a, like if there's someone who's in questioning it. things and wonder, I, like from the outside in, not someone who's doubting things, but someone who's who's seeking. Well, yeah, and, then yes. And, and to be fair, our understanding as Adventists of the word evangelist is very tends to be a little bit more different than correct most other Christian. Uh, denominations or traditions but yeah there's even, a specific even niche. still i was like he's he's much more tony campolo and and c.s lewis than you know yep billy graham or um you know guys like that so I, you know i i kind of i hesitated because i, I saw mm-hmm. a lot of that when we were talking about this uh episode and, and doing it and i was like eh, he's not really he's more yeah. of an apologist he's more of a speaker um theologian for sure either way yeah, yeah. so he wrote over 30 books, um, he was a founder and chairman uh, and chairman of the board for Ravi, uh, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, um, and he hosted a couple of radio programs as well. He And most people know him because of his YouTube videos, um, yeah, all yeah, of his YouTube videos explaining of, which there's actually an amazing article that I, if I can find it, I'll link it in the show notes that uh, basically tears apart his entire um, his entire video on uh, why Christians uh, are against homosexuality um, or what the Christian response to homosexuality is, um, which is quite an amazing article that I'll link to it. But here's here's why this was something that I was confused at. Not It's not necessarily that I didn't know he was a big deal in our circles. It's more that um, there's been stuff out there about him and about how he got to where he was yeah. that... Um, that we've known about for years and I would have covered years ago had I known that like I've never well, heard yeah. up until he died I'd never heard anyone talk about him as far as I knew he was just a something that people saw on YouTube 
And that was it. There was never conversations. I never felt like there were any conversations where he was referenced or his answers were referenced. Well, he's yeah, like he's not really an academic in the sense that his books are more practical. So it's not like, okay, so we studied theology, right? Um, it's not like one of our classes would necessarily go through unless it would be, you know, personal spirituality or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe you would read a book, you know, that he'd written on it. Um, from what I understand, again, I've, I've don't know all of his, his works, but that's, he's not really an academic, so he wouldn't be known in that circle. Um, and then, he's not really our generation, you know, um, Mm -hmm. like it in just the people that I saw respond to it and, and understand it. It was like, he was more like, he's not someone that would show up at catalyst, you know? Yeah. Um, he's not someone they would invite into, to something like that. Um, it's one of those big mega, um, Christian Christian evangelical middle class, uh, big gatherings in an arena. Yeah. Right. Like catalyst, passion, things like that. Yeah. Passion, whatever. Um, like he's, he's not someone that I, I I would understand would be invited in that. So to me, when I was kind of looking at that and all of a sudden I realized like, Oh no, he's, he's really, really big. One of the ways I know this, my mom listens to, um, Christian, I want to say pop, but Christian radio, let's say Christian radio. Um, and he's just, mentioned a lot um and then on twitter i know a few people that um i follow that are are christian leaders um that they also you know would talk about him but i've never really heard him or listened to him or watched his videos um i went through a few of his books i know what they're about but i've yeah he's not someone that like affected me directly versus like say an ed stetzer a Mm -hmm. um Oh, and it's, it's Steve, uh, Francis Chan. I can't want to say Stephen Chan, Francis Chan, Stephen Furtick, uh, someone like that. Like I would immediately know that yeah. and I would be able to reference that. But Ravi, from, from what I understand, is like older. Mm. Now, I will say he actually did receive criticism too for not doing enough in the evangelism department. Right. But I actually believe that there's a real significance in doing work for those who already call themselves yeah. believers. Like we yeah. wouldn't exist if that wasn't the for case. Sure. None sure. of what I do would exist if that wasn't the case. So, well, and and there's nothing wrong with apologetics. Apologetics. Apologize. There's also nothing wrong with apologizing, apologizing. unless it's apo- too late to apologize. <laughs> eh, eh, eh. Um, no, but like that, that's more, I think where his, where his specialty would be. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think there's a there's a value in that, um, especially in the in the idea of discipleship and and trying to be a Christian. Um, and I'm not going to say in a world that is against you, but in finding your own reasons for Christianity, because there isn't a lot of evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there is historically. Like you can't say that Jesus didn't exist as a person, um, as a real human being. He really did. But to say that he's, you know, really God, you know, you, you that that there's a lot of you have to have your own personal journey on that. So I, I think there's a place for it. But, yeah, he's not really he's not really an evangelist. Yeah, exactly. So with him having recently died, um, I decided to put off doing anything about this um, just to kind of let that all settle a bit. And now the world is currently focused on other things entirely. So maybe I waited too long. But um, here's I, 
I'm going to be frank here and just saying this. Um, I'm not trying to deny any of the positive impact that he's had on the countless people that have watched his videos, read his books, interacted with his content. Like, that's not what we're here to do. We're not denying any of the good that he did. However, uh, I think there's a there's a high risk of a lot of a lot of us letting personal feelings regarding that positive impact cloud our judgment in how we are remembering and receiving him. Everything that I'm that we're going to say in this episode, I would have said two years ago had I realized that it was I'd known about all of this two years ago, but I didn't I didn't realize just how widespread his reach really had been in that fashion. Didn't we talk about this in one of our episodes? No, I don't think so. Maybe we I'm like, I don't think so. I have no idea. Honestly, we're over 100 episodes. I do not remember every passing reference. No, it would have been early. Yeah. No, I I genuinely don't remember. But this isn't. He's he's dead. He's not here to defend himself. But everything that we are, everything that we're talking about today, um, is something that essentially he's already respond. He had already responded to. So for the most part, there's not really. This isn't this isn't us just going after a man who can't defend himself. Uh, this is actually more about accountability, and this is about us as as those who've engaged with his content, those who are looking to leaders and teachers who are authority figures and. Uh, people we trust. Um, this is about how we interact with them, how we how we build them up, and how we treat them. Um, I think that I think that in the way that we've treated Ravi, we are setting a dangerous precedent regarding Christian celebrity culture, and we are demonstrating what we are willing to look past just because someone was good at their job after they did something terrible, and. To be even more clear on this, I don't really care in the context of this about the other non-ministry related criticisms that he that he's received. Right. I care about them in so far as they happened it, and I it, believe it, that they happened and I don't like it's a testament to character, but it's not really yes. what we're focusing on. Um and I'll we'll get into why in a minute. But what we're dealing with is the transgressions that Ravi committed that were specifically done to build the platform that we now revere him for. That's what we're talking about today. Um, so there is links to this stuff. Um, there's even links to a small, uh, there was a small atheist channel that I found that did a very, very short kind of super cut of all of the different times that Ravi Zacharias lied about the following. Um, literally under two minutes, straight to the point. Um, and... Uh, this is stuff that is very provable, very demonstrated. Like the receipts are here, <laughs> yeah. and the receipts have always been here. Yeah. So there, this isn't this isn't like a oh you're just conjecturing or you're just speculating. No, these this actually and, happened. And again, like we said, this isn't like a like we hate his theology, therefore we're going after. Like neither of us really knew about it until we found out like the response from people when he did pass away well no like i knew about so this like huge. three years ago i just or two years no, ago but i'm saying like we didn't really you know what i mean like this isn't a personal thing it's like it's oh, not like yeah. we've held a grudge against him and been yeah. like oh like there are other i'm gonna be i just stopped interacting with this stuff frank. that's yeah. all i did i'm when gonna I be found completely frank like there are certain <laughs> ministers out there that i have a chip on my shoulder about and if you know me i have if you if you know me for more than a month i've probably mentioned at least two or three of these names to you at once. I'm very, very loud and vocal about that. So, um, like this isn't one of those guys. Like, it's not one of the ones that I'm like, yeah, here's why it's bad. Like, I really didn't, 
understand the scope of this until we started like researching. So yeah, yeah. this isn't a personal tie. This isn't like us going after, like this is, this is the reason why we're doing this will become clear mm-hmm. as we, as we move forward. So essentially uh, the short of it is 16 minutes into the episode, Ravi Zacharias has been caught repeatedly lying about his education, his academic credentials, and his previous work experience as a professor or just as an academic or scholar Speaker, in general. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's done so in books. He's done so in live presentations. He's done it in marketing materials. And now you can you can counter some of that by saying, well, that was, you know, publishers or others who may have, you know, other people who are interacting with his with his work like that are that are paid to create things to represent him you know he's not the one designing his own posters and putting da- typing in ravi zacharias um or dr ravi zacharias which there's part of the problem is that right. he was claiming uh he was claiming that title with honorary degrees um yeah. rather than any actual degree um but he was he was making claim he and it had gone so far as he was making claims that he studied at cambridge and oxford in, and oxford yeah um, and he, and at Cambridge, he studied, I think it was Cambridge. Maybe it was Oxford. Yep. Now I might be confusing the no, two. Ca- Cambridge was the one, yeah, where this well, particular yeah. incident happened. He, he said that he studied in the philosophy department, studied under the professors and, um, and under a very specific professor in 1990. I don't remember the guy's name. Like it's, quantum physics or yeah, something? Yeah. Yeah. And he turns out that professor didn't even teach there in 1990. And not only that, Cambridge actually came out and said, we don't even have record of him um, being a student here. He audited a single class at Cambridge. That's what he did. But when you go up there and say, when you go up on stage and say, when I was studying at Cambridge under some of the most prestigious professors in their fields um, and under the prestigious philosophy department, uh, when I say I studied at Southern, you know, or I, you know, I, you know, I went to Southern. The, the The assumption is that Southern was the school that I attended fully. I enrolled. I graduated from. I completed my education at. He is very, very much relying on that to, um, to mislead people into thinking that he had done something that he hadn't. Um, he had also said that he worked as a professor, that he had taught classes as a guest lecturer, all you know, as a, as a lecturer, and and all of that. And Cambridge was like, yeah, we also don't have any record of him ever being an employee here. Like yeah. Cambridge themselves Ever. said that. So all the, when I say the receipts are here, the receipts are here. We're not saying like, oh, we couldn't find any. Like they've outright said no. And the Ravi Zacharias has also apologized for those claims. And he admitted the truth. He admitted that he, he had fabricated them or that he had misrepresented himself. And then he and he pledged to stop doing that. Um, and for many, that was enough. Unfortunately, for the position that he holds and for the work he was doing, and specifically with the ethics of the platform that he built, just admitting to that and apologizing for it, I don't think are enough. And um, I think it's worth us kind of getting into why. Yeah, and and we're going to talk about why that's important. So the name of the – I've been looking that up because I know I saw the name of it. Uh, The name of the Cambridge um, professor that he says he studied under – was John Polkinghorne? That's what it was. P O L K I N G H O R N E. And if that isn't a British name, I do not know what is. Yes. Um, and so, and it turned out that like this guy, he he like by the time he studied under him, like took a philosophy class under him, like he was he had, he wasn't teaching physics anymore. He was teaching theology, and then it was like one class. It was like. A, he a audited seminar a class. thing. Yes. Yeah. It was like a seminar thing. It wasn't even like a full on 
semester long. You got to do a research paper, et cetera, class. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's one of those. It's one of those ones that's like this. This is true. So, well, anyway, let's get into the why. Let's get into the why. Yeah. So this is a problem because this isn't a man who did bad things that were just unrelated to his ministry. Um, and we're not talking about those things, though there are those things. This is a man whose transgressions were done specifically in order to build that the build the platform that every that we are celebrating yeah. him for. Yeah. He isn't a human who made mistakes. He's a man who made knowingly unethical decisions in order to build his career and establish further credibility. Like that's what he did. Yeah. And not only that, there were no significant consequences for his actions. He didn't lose the platform that his lies and misdirection helped to build. He didn't lose anything other than, I guess, some time writing out an apology. Yeah. Well, because here's the thing. When you claim to have studied at Cambridge, your, and this is the point of going to a prestigious university, your words hold gravitas now. They hold weight. Yeah, right? no one no one goes to Harvard and says when when I'm talking about for instance why Christians shouldn't uh, or how they should respond to homosexuals and I say oh because science this this and that right and I have the weight of a Cambridge now you should still be a critical thinker even if it's like people who go to Harvard and everything they're still idiots like there's still all of us are idiots like Tony and I are just because we are are the chief idiots among we are chief among idiots exactly like just because somebody goes somewhere doesn't automatically mean that they are someone who should be listened to however when it in order to be accepted into a place like uh, uh, Harvard Yale Cambridge Oxford you either have to have a significant amount of money or you have to have brains on the level where you should be listened to. And that's why the, the mm-hmm. um, what's the phrase I'm looking for? The uh, filter, not filter. I don't know, because I don't know where you're when going they let, with When they sentence. let students in. The, the admissions process? Admissions process, thank you, is so careful because there's a Application process, yes. Yeah, the application yeah. process. It's, they go through it because, well, A, a lot of people want to go. But there's a reason why. So it it's, if somebody down the street who has a normal blue collar job says point A and Ravi Zacharias says point B. People are going to listen to point B. You're going to listen to point B. It's going to have more weight because he's studied at, well, he Mm -hmm. studied at Oxford and this. He's a doctor. He's a this, this, and that. Yeah. And and you're going to, who are you going to invite to speak? Because person A and point A might be the correct one. They might have studied the Bible their entire lives and, and have a, an understanding and a keen mind, but you're more likely going to bring in Ravi because, well, he's had these things. And so that's that's the issue that we have with it, is that it gives it weight. And you knowingly did that for that reason. Over and over and over again. This yeah. isn't a slip up. No, no, it like, wasn't once. There's several presentations where he says, well, I was studying under under Professor Polkinghorne at Cambridge um, when I was a student at Ox- or at, at Cambridge, when I was working at Cambridge yeah. or Oxford. Yeah. Like yeah. these are these are specific claims that you can go and look up and watch him over make with his own mouth. Yeah. Like So you remember the story of Brian Williams, right? Vaguely. The NBC anchor, he was in Iraq when they did, um, I want to say Desert Shield. 
Uh, when when in two thousand and four and five, when we were uh, invading okay, yeah. the, the the second, I'm thinking of Desert Iraqi Eagle, War. but I feel like that's not no, no, no that's something no, that's completely again, different. That's again from Terminator. Yeah. Yes, um, thank you. I was like, what? Um, no, but so he he was talking about his experience as a reporter in the field as a correspondent, war correspondent, and he told this story that he tell he he had told before multiple times before, where he says we got shot down. There was fire. We got hit. We got shot down. He tells this whole story, right? And it comes out, and I and he tells it much later, right? He told it multiple times before, but he tells it much much later. I want to say it's on Conan, either Conan or Letterman or something like that. And he tells it on this this you know late night show. And all of a sudden, people start getting text messages and emails and calls and videos about, um, I was the pilot of that chopper, and we didn't go down. There was one that went down, but it wasn't the one we were in, and all this other stuff started coming up. And now, and this is the interesting thing, Brian Williams wasn't telling that story to make his job better. He was a war correspondent. Right. Like he and he had a significant um, body of work to back it. All he had to do was point to that other body of work. But the problem was because he told this story in the setting of, boy, I remember what it was like to get shot down. Mm -hmm. It gave him weight. It, It gave him celebrity status. And people called him out for it. Yep. And he lost his job. He lost credibility. He's, he's back, I believe, working. Um, but it, it, there's a real There was issue. a consequence for that. There was a real consequence and people acknowledged. Now, here's the thing. He wasn't even like, can you imagine? And this is the level that Ravi did. Had he said, oh, yeah, I remember when I was shut down as a war correspondent. And then NBC was like, we never sent you as a war correspondent. And then you talk to the military and the, and the, the, you know, the Marines and Air Force. And nobody has a record of Brian Williams ever even being in Iraq. Hmm. That's the level of what Ravi did. How, like, all Brian Williams said. Now, Brian Williams wasn't a chopper. He was being, they said it did take. Small arms fire. It was not hit, but it did take small arms fire. He was part of a convoy that did have mm-hmm. a a chopper go down. He flubbed one small thing, right? And there's a whole science behind how that happened, and it really mm-hmm. he wasn't doing it on purpose. But that small thing, he was actually there, and he was a war correspondent. What? Ravi Zacharias did was completely lie, fabricate. He took classes in Cambridge and said, oh, I'm Cambridge educated. Yeah. He, uh, and, uh, Cambridge, a, and use the, the, the phrase, it's not even that he fabricated, he misdirected, he and, misdirected. And, 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 and exaggerated what actually happened. It was like he wrote a story in the Iraqi yeah. airport on his way to somewhere else and said, oh, I was a war correspondent. Yeah. Um, and here's how we treated him. We treated him as if, like, imagine your car got stolen, and then some guy delivered flowers to your door. You you went to meet the guy and found out that he's driving your car that was stolen. You find out the guy that delivered you flowers is the one that stole your car. The way that Ravi's being received is essentially like you saying, oh, thank you so much for delivering those flowers. You know what? Those flowers, they just mean so much to me. Just have my car. Like, keep the car that you stole. Yeah. Like, um, it's... it's well, 
Yeah. That it, it is it is catching someone. And because they did because you feel that they did something nice for you, you're saying, yeah, I don't care. You can you can you can keep having the thing that you took. Um, and did he steal necessarily? I, I won't say he stole, but at the same time. Well, how many? But how many speakers? Yep, exactly. How, how many, many other people authors? that worked their tails off in in and did so ethically? And morally correctly, um, were denied opportunities because of yeah. because of that. Because here's the thing, and I, and I'm always, you know, I me, mean, man, I'm I'm super. When it comes to the money side of Christianity, we both are, but I, you know, for me especially, I, I'm like very careful about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm super sensitive about it. Um, it's something that it just it just having my dad, you know, being paid as a, as a, you know, member of the clergy, um, you know, as a pastor, um, having, you know, my, my uncle's one, uh, my great uncle is one. So there's a lot of sensitivity for me in that area. And I know that they take it so seriously. Um, I have friends who are Christian artists um, and they make money off their music. And so they take that very seriously. There is something you you have to take your moral and ethical standard to a higher level when you're making money off of God, in mm-hmm. a sense. Um, because it's not like you're making money off of comedy, right? A, a nebulous concept that, mm-hmm. while is good, um, you know, is a different culture, different whatever. Like you are representing God. And yeah. that has, a, there's a, there's a weight to that. So you have to be very, very careful. Ravi made a business of selling God and did so mm-hmm. lying. Imagine the guy who's trying to convince you that, that, um, that God exists, that God that that all of this is real and has real significance, sin, yeah. consequences of sin, salvation, all of it. And in the middle of that debate, you find out that he's that he is actively not like he did this in his past, and so he was a past hypocrite, but that he was actively doing that to get to the to specifically to even get to the point of having that conversation with you. Like, and he's actively doing it now. That completely undercuts any ap- apologetics that you have. Yeah. If you are if you are actively living that kind of double, not I mean, it's not necessarily a double life. It's just when you are when you are actively misleading people while talking about a God who cares about truth and justice and, um, it 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 negates whatever truth you were mm-hmm. saying. In my opinion, it does because well, it doesn't negate the truth, but no, 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 it, no, 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 it, it no, cancels no. out your credibility. It, your credibility, exactly. Yeah. Um, which is unfortunate. Because there are a lot of people who've been touched by what he said. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, hey, I, nobody is perfect. And I think that's the thing. You know, you could you could argue certain things like, oh, well, you know, he's he's only human, right? He's just like all of us. You know, you and I, we've done things that we would call mistakes. Um, 
You know, I've flown off the handle on this podcast and said things that probably went a little bit too far at times. Welcome um, to any given episode yeah, of Absurdity pretty, pretty with Ryan Becker and Tony Nobly especially, Jr. Especially the early ones, man. <laughs> just, just you got on that bandwagon Ooh. and we're like, I'm in. I've got all this pent up. Very pent up, passionate. Now it's like, oh, people are listening to us. We should pay attention and not go crazy. But but here's the reality when it comes to, in in our opinion, as we get together and talk about this, like... Is he just a human like the rest of us? Yeah, does, does I, he? I don't know. Yeah, he's only human. Like so, humans make mistakes. It's fine. The does that apply here? He, so this is doesn't okay. Leadership positions, okay, already attracts those who desire power and authority. It, it, it's they just do. Um, oftentimes, the people that shouldn't be in leadership. Are the people who <laughs> because want because they want yeah. that, but yeah. but it just does. Yeah, the, the person does. that is the person that is that is humble that is um the person that is humble and don't worry this is connected to the he's only human yeah, just like yeah, all of us yeah. thing. Don't worry, we're, we're, we'll, we're getting there. We'll wrap it. We'll we'll bring it back. Um, the problem is that the person who's humble in spirit and all this, they're the person that isn't going to chase after. They're not going to yeah that is chase after the authority position and leadership position. So we. Leadership will naturally attract people who are typically willing to do um, or who may be more willing to do some unethical things in order to keep that leadership position or gain it. This is why you have um, this is why you have presidents yeah. who've done corrupt things. Yeah. This is why you have like this. Well, is why Yeah. And to paraphrase the great phrase, there are three types of leaders. Those who are born natural leaders, those who seek leadership, mm -hmm. achieve it, and those who have leadership thrust upon them. Yeah. Um, Those who are naturally drawn to leadership, not naturally drawn, who naturally are good leaders, aren't necessarily the ones that desire the power. It's just who they are. Mm -hmm. um, and you'll see this, right? Like every every friend group has the guy that's like, hey, we should go do this, right? The alpha male or whatever. Um, then there are those that actively seek leadership. Or positions. seek authority or power. They, they yeah. will. They will push other people aside. They're the ones who will do. I mean, it's Voldemort, right? Like it's it's you know, I will do whatever. Are you saying I need that Ravi Zacharias is Voldemort? No, I don't have I'm receipts not, for that. Tony. I'm not going there. But that's that same concept <laughs> I, idea, of like yeah. I will do whatever it takes to get this leadership. And then those that have leadership thrust upon them. The yes, Harry Potter's of the world. Um. So the the issue is that if well. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, 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 no. no. It, it, I was going to say the, this: it, this, this idea of leadership—they'll green flag anything as long as they are beloved enough. I guess if that makes sense. Yeah, like the if the idea is charismatic enough. People yep. will be like, "Wah!" Exactly. Ah! The, the problem with this is that it sets a dangerous precedent that basically says. Well, as long as you do enough good while you have the position We're or, okay with... or do something good for me, then I don't care how you got there. I just care that you did something good for me. It's it's a selfish way of rewarding that. But the other thing that it does is it serves as a giant neon light to all of those that would do unethical and corrupt things for leadership, but hadn't yet Yep. to say, cool, this works. I can get there. I can do it. And yep. I will be celebrated for it. Yeah. Or despite it, or people will ignore it as long as I say enough good things. They will forget the broken and crushed bodies I have left in my wake as long as I get to the top. Yep. 
And the problem is that this is going to be one of those things. I hate to, I've sounded more and more conspiracy theory lately, but this is going to be one of those things that's going to be, it's going to be almost impossible to trace back to someone like Ravi Zacharias. But you're going to see over the next 10, 15 years, all these corrupt leaders that, that grow out of nothing, that like were not anything before this. And that took that, that, that saw what Ravi did and took a page from his book and are now doing the same. Well, and because, because of the response, yeah, it's and because that's of why, the response. And to me, I think that's also why it's important for us to record this now, um, to get this conversation out and to talk about it and, and to, to have a re-response, if we will, yeah. because that's what that's what is going to happen if there is no okay, fallout. Yeah. And that's and that's kind of my point. He's only human, just like all of us. Yes, he is only human, but also But also no. He was a leader. He was yeah. in a leadership and authority position. And just by holding that position and by doing what he did to get it, that serves as an example to people. And when he was discovered, how we responded and how we have since responded since he passed away um, is also teaching people how they should or should not respond to or should or should not um, treat this. Yeah, right. He made intentional decisions to mislead and misrepresent himself to further establish his credibility and authority. He didn't make mistakes. Those were decisions. And not only that. But I think we have this this misconception that a theology of grace somehow excludes a theology of repentance. Um, that like, oh, well, if we just forgive them, if they just say sorry enough, we'll, we'll forgive them. But we have to just keep showing them grace. We have to keep showing them grace. But there is a repentance half to yes! grace of turning away what turning away from what you did and turning away from whatever you gained as a result of what you did. Yeah. Um, being willing to give that up. At no point did Ravi say I'm that I know of. Maybe someone can send in something if if this is the case. But we have. I don't remember him it. saying I'm stepping down because of this or I'm not going to speak anymore because of this. He very much continued to utilize the platform that he built on um, unethical actions and decisions. And my real my thing is here when we talk about leadership and we talk about those that are attracted to desire and and power or attracted to power and authority. When you're attracted to that, you're willing to do unethical things like you're not doing unethical things because you don't want the leadership position. Right. So my question is, you, you can you can counter me easily by saying, well, he apologized and he said, I'm sorry. He acknowledged what he did and he corrected it. He issued, you know, he, he retracted those statements, whatever. My question is, did he repent of his real sin? Because yeah. the real sin in my mind when I look at this and when I look at everything that he did was not the lying. The lying was simply a, a, a sin done that's rooted in something deeper. Well, it's a symptom. Yeah, it's just a symptom. It is a sinful symptom, but it's a, it, like it's a symptom that, that points to something bigger. Was it, and this is the question that I have, what my, or this is what I would propose, I think, is that I think that whatever desire for his platform, whatever that desire was that caused him to lie in order to build it, that's the real sin. Yeah. And he never turned away from that that I'm aware of. He didn't give up the platform. Yeah. He didn't. He he kept it. He got to keep the desire. He still lived out of that desire to maintain his business to and maybe he justified it by saying, well, all of these people would be out of a job if I stepped down or, or all of these, all this hard work that I put into this would be away. Cause there's a lot all of good, good work that, that he did. Done, yeah. There's yeah, a lot that you believe. will do to, yeah. to justify your legacy. Yep. 
And I think that was the real sin. And I don't think that he, and, and can I judge his heart? No, I can, I can only judge him by his actions and what they indicate. That's what they seem to indicate to me. Right. And we've, I mean, we've talked about that concept on the show mm-hmm. uh, a lot. Um, the idea that, you know, we can't judge your motives. Um, and to me, I, I think one of the biggest issues when it comes to all this, that, that central core, I don't want to give it up. I, I don't know if he started out with that feeling, but I do know that absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, power always does prestige always corrupts to any level. How many pastors have we seen talking about abuse who just went up, apologized. They didn't step down. Right. Uh, they didn't offer any real contrition. And they only apologized after years of saying, and, no, right, I, it's not true. It's fabricated. It's all lies. And yeah. they were, and it was a whole thing. And so they were like, Oh, I'm so sorry. And, 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 uh, did so in a way that came across, let's say, let's be generous and say it came across disingenuous because they were trying, it looked mm-hmm. as though they were attempting to keep their positions. And he could, and, and what, what, what's annoying to me is he could have done all of the same good that he did without, without, without claiming I, any of that. And, but to me that again, that's why the issue wasn't the lying. Correct. It's the deeper thing. Um, and, and there are a lot of, well, not, I wouldn't say a lot. There are proven incidents talking about those non ministry related things that point to a character flaw um, that that to me, as an armchair psychologist, um, you know, it, it, it points back to this bigger, deeper issue of why he did this to create this platform. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't know if you want to get into it or if we have time to get into it, but I mean, they're, they're serious. The claims. only, the only one that the, the serious one that exists is the testimony of a girl who dated, um, Ravi's brother Ramesh when she was 14 and she was, she got pregnant with his, with, with Ramesh's son or baby at, at, I don't know if it was a son, but baby, um, at 16. And when she told Ramesh, Ramesh called Ravi to talk about it. Um, and Ravi essentially demanded that, um, that she get an abortion because it was going to look bad on the family and Ravi's this man of God and doing all of this work and it would come down hard if, if it reflected bad on his family, then that harms Ravi's reputation in business as well. And in fact, when Ramesh then went to talk to the girl's, uh, to the girl's parents about this, he invoked what Ravi had encouraged him and said, and as essentially to say that this man of God is, um, this man of God has given you the okay to have to take your daughter to get an abortion because she's underage. Um, and that was what convinced the parents to relent and actually have it done um, and take her and take their daughter to have it done. This was a man who originally I would have categorized that in unrelated, but given that it was also done to protect whatever reputation he had and was building, um, that's where I say, no, it's connected. Yeah. It's connected. It's the same kind of, um, unethical behavior that he that um, that is meant to build or maintain a platform. Yeah, I don't. It, it's not even that. Uh, it's a not reputation, even reputation, a brand. Yeah, and yeah. and to me, I don't. It's this. It's not about whether or not abortion 
this isn't the, the, separate that from the yeah. Other. The idea is he encouraged something that was against traditionally against the platform that he held. A yes, um, in order to maintain that platform. I mean, he literally crossed as far of an ethical and, line and, there as you as you can when it comes to betraying your own platform. Well, and and here's the th- you know, when I read that story, it was. <laughs> It was the concept that it might affect his platform and affect his voice. To me, that was the, I want to say arrogance. I want to say narcissism. I'm not going to go that, but the fear, I, I, I'm, my reputation is never been sullied by something my brother or sister did. I know so many people that are amazing people who have terrible siblings, horrible siblings. And it's not, I don't blame them. Yeah. I don't look at them. I, I, you are not your brother's keeper in the sense that, okay, if you're literally supposed to be your brother's keeper and you don't, okay, then that's a different story. But like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't associate that with you. And yet he, for him, it was this, I have to create this persona that everything is so perfect. And this might tarnish me. Not that it would. He didn't, right? And, it, and we don't know if so, it would have or not. So, I, right, I mean, right. But the fact that it might, that his younger enough. brother was enough for him to go that far and push for an abortion and do, you know what I mean? Like, it was like, wow. Wow. Yep. Mostly because you had such a powerful opportunity to do something that would have been grace related that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Instead of, if you had, if, if the bigger issue of, I need to keep this image intact mm-hmm. rather than this is my own, this is my household. We're going to work through this. We're going to, you know, this is where healing you know, uh, and different quote unquote, different time. But that's why I think our generation mm-hmm. values transparency so much in, in that moment, Ravi turned a innocent girl and, um, and her unborn child into a tool for his reputation. That's, I mean, that's essentially what he did was this, you are a tool to yep. manage and maintain my reputation. And if you step out of line, I'm going to make sure that this, I'm going to happen. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about the other one? Because I, to me, it no. I mean, that's that's the main one. There's, that there's, I, a, there's another other couple ones that in that yeah. in my mind again point to that same deeper issue of if you do not, I, I will do anything to protect my reputation. Yep. And um, here's and and here's here's the the kicker to all of that because you may wonder like what does that have to do with me? All I did was watch YouTube videos. The problem is that those YouTube videos came from his organization, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. Um, most of them did. And by allowing him to keep his platform, by celebrating him, by keeping, by by watching those videos, by by upping that viewer count, by giving the ad revenue, um, we allowed him. We basically enabled him to keep feeding that character flaw. Yeah, exactly. Like we enabled him as. This is why I just. This is why when I discovered all, I just stopped interacting with his stuff. Um, I I don't think I've brought him up on the show before, but you know. I know I've talked about him before mm-hmm. in sermons or talks or different things. And now I'm like, Oh shoot, I wish I'd yep. And there's a problem and in that. that there's a, there, there's an ethical kind of de- gray area that I run into when even talking about stuff like this, because in, in so talking about it, people 
who may not have known about any of this are now going to go watch yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, watch yeah. his videos or whatever and check this stuff out. Um, and so there's a risk there, but I, in order, the information is more important than that in my, in my mind, but the, but the reality is us celebrating him, regardless of alive or passed away, um, we were enabling a issue in his character. We did, we failed as a church, as a worldwide global church, international him, church, yeah. Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. To hold him accountable. Uh, to hold him accountable. Yeah. That's what we did. We allowed him to get away with, with no repentance. Yep. Um, or with partial repentance, I should say. Well, but see, re- repentance has to involve contrition. Yeah. So you look at, you look at what, you know, David, I mean, not to get too, you know, biblical on it, but look at how David responded with his son, you know, after Bathsheba and killing Uriah and everything. I mean, the son had to die. An innocent person, mm-hmm. that son had to lose their life. Um, and to his credit, David never did it again. But, but there was no sacrifice that Ravi, you know, there was no innocent son. There was nothing, you know, he didn't step, like you say, he didn't step down. He didn't do that. So to me, that doesn't show contrition. It doesn't show I need to make this right. Same thing with uh, Zacchaeus, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to repay and I'm going to, and I'm going to give back, you know, four times. That's contrition. Yep. That's contrition. That's the idea of I need to make this right. And, and he never, again, from what I can see, researching, looking, mm-hmm. he never stepped down. In fact, I didn't even know that any of this had happened. I wasn't even aware of it. Yeah, until I, until I was until like, hey, we're doing an episode like, hey, on this. We need a, yeah, we need a, and I was like, wait, what? Um, I, granted, I wasn't hyper aware of, of his ministry either, but I mean, it's a huge ministry. And now it's like, oh, and he never stepped down. So this is the thing that that you have to look at because the reality is, when we use that he's only human, yeah. right? Argument. Um, we use it because someone we like has done something good for us, and they've been caught in this. Yeah, so we feel bad, and they did something good, and we're biased as a yeah. result. But if someone else did that, someone they disagreed with, oh, they would be canceled. Yeah, right. I mean, we've watched that happen right now with. Uh, there all the different hashtags on when uh, Doja Cat was potentially revealed to be act, uh, participating in white supremacist forums and and video chats and yeah. groups. Like there was a whole uh, Doja Cat is over hashtag. Um, same thing happened for Wendy's when it was discovered that they've been um, donating to um, certain campaigns and politicians and yeah. um, like this would have been a deal. Well, I, this is a deal for people that we don't like. Yeah. But people like Ravi Zacharias. He he has that feel of. Kind of like your grandfather reading you a bedtime story, tucking yeah. you in at night. Like he, 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 there's a comfort He's in a his voice. Person. Yeah, absolutely. Was, and yeah, say. yeah, it was. And and here's and here's the point. Like we're not just talking about this because we we want to talk about someone who isn't here to defend himself. Yeah, and we're not just to slander. This no. is a warning. This all serves as a warning to all of us. Tony, myself, anyone, you know, you as a listener, the church as a whole. This is a warning to us because. The way that we've responded and treated Ravi Zacharias points to a bigger problem. And that bigger problem is this. What is it in our hearts that makes us act so inconsistently and show such partiality to people? 
because we do this with abusers all the time. Yeah. People do this yeah. with, with, oh, my pastor could not, couldn't have done that. There was a guy, a pastor who was, who was convicted of sexually yeah, assaulted, of sexually assaulting his adopted underage daughter several times convicted and up to the point of his conviction, he maintained his innocence that it was fabricated um, and, and made up by his daughter and others. And even the members say, I don't believe it. He was such a good pastor. He would never do this. What is it in our hearts that makes us act so uh, inconsistently regarding this stuff? Because if it was a pastor we didn't like, we'd be all over it as far as, you know, reacting and calling for him to resign and and uh, calling for repentance, true repentance and sacrifice as a result. Like, we would be all over that. But when it comes to someone we like, it's a lot harder. And I understand that it's harder. Um my concern and the reason we're talking about this is because it's going it's setting a dangerous precedent it already has to be honest that yeah. is going that is that has paved the way for more destructive leaders in the future and it's not just on Ravi's hands it's on ours for not yeah. holding him accountable we can't do anything about and now we really can't um because he's not around to to respond to it but we can't do anything about him um He's, he's created his legacy. All we can do is respond and choose, choose the best way to move forward. That's all we can do. Yep. Um, cause the reality is, I mean, you can't make anybody repent. Like it has to be, it has to come from them. You can put them in a position. And this is kind of the whole point of like when someone sins and they won't listen to the church, you, you. Um, you will remove them or let them choose their sin is you're essentially saying, I, we're going to show you what you're giving up because you're choosing something contrary yeah. to this biblical covenant community. And we're, and that's exactly it is it's a covenant community. You have agreed to a certain standard. And when you continually say, Hey, I'm, I'm going to break that standard. You have to let that, you have to. Because and the reason for it is is literally the people that come behind. Yeah. Um. Because that's I mean ultimately that's the big question is should being good at what you do outweigh what you did to get there? No, I am personally in my mind no. It, it, just being good at what you do shouldn't outweigh what you did to get there. I I in general, um, if what you did to get there was unethical in its own right, like. No, I I don't think that's the case. Um, however, there is there is a caveat. No, there's no absolutes here. Um, mostly only Sith <laughs> deal in uh, absolutes. Kind of so. Uh, uh, yeah, kind of sort of deal in absolutes. Um, which is the case of I have high ground. Um, well, which is the case of someone like me. Yeah. Um, and don't no one freak out and do anything unethical. Relax. Um, you're not even the, Ryan Becker, are you? <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, actually, you've been listening. This is Tony, uh, and he's Ryan. Gotcha. April uh, Fools. Gotcha. This um, whole time. No, my mom had a, a position of leadership in, in our denomination, both at a state level and just as a principal of my academy growing up and as, as a, in high school. And there were, there were things that I was privileged to be able to do, conversations I was privileged to be a part of, um... Etc. That um, that normally there are others would have had to work harder to get there or whatever, and I was able to stroll, you know, or others wouldn't have been, my age would have been able to even be in the room. There are times where I've 
where I've started off with a head start because people know my mom versus um, versus someone who has no connection, right? And so the, the difference there is that I didn't do necessarily anything to get there. Rather, all I did was accept opportunities as they were presented. Yeah. But then being good at what I did with what I was given with that privilege um, and seeking to create opportunities for others that came after me, um, that does outweigh all of that. In other words, if you're going to get something by, by privilege, then at least you don't keep the position that you have or you don't keep the the things that you've gotten if you're bad at it. I was I was talking about this with my girlfriend the other day. How how do you deal with privilege? Cuz it's not like we we don't the two of us were talking like we don't want to take it away from these other people we were discussing um you know some coworkers that she had that you know just were very young and given a leadership position, you know, at a very young age. Um and it's just the responsibility of those with that privilege to try to make everything easier for the people around them, but take that Mm -hmm. time and opportunity to pave the road for the people who didn't get to start out, you know, get that head start. Um, I think that's what we have to, that's what we have to do Mm -hmm. when, when confronting. And that's why whenever I've had the platform that I've had, like I've sought to, I mean, two years into pastoring, I was, I had a, a college student, um, living with me for a summer, mentoring him in church leadership yeah. and pastoral yeah. leadership. I've ca- helped countless podcasts get started and help people build platforms yeah, on their exactly. of their own. Like, like that's what you do. I'm not saying like, oh, I'm a saint. I'm not. No, I'm no, saying, no. But you want to you want to t- versus. I didn't get it and doing, say yeah, I deserve yeah, exactly, this, and exactly. so you like, have to you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You, yeah, exactly. I um, worked hard, and I do work hard, but that doesn't. But how I respond with the opportunities given to me or to the opportunities given to me exactly. matters and what I do with that responsibility. Well, and I think that's that's why we need to be so careful with Ravi because that level of responsibility and accountability has to be modeled. Um, because again, now 10, 15, 20 years down the road, how many other doctors are we going to see where they're not really? I mean, how many of the pastors who did the things that they did because they knew about Ravi? And they said, well, he's getting mm-hmm. away with it. Why should I? Why should I be the one? Why should I? That's why we have to be so careful. That's why we're bringing this up. That's why we're talking about it. Not because we haven't been given privilege, but because we need to say, look, the way that we respond to this is going to matter because this is not okay. This isn't okay. And we need to make sure that this doesn't keep going Mm -hmm. forward. It doesn't affect our community. Yep. So I think a good way to end as we wrap this up is, is to simply suggest a couple ways that we can do better about this moving forward. And I think the first thing to do is simply to say, we need to do a better job of holding our leaders accountable. Um, Whether that's when we discover something like this, um, consistently calling them out on social media as they post or do things, whether that's writing letters, um, whether that's just stopping in, you know, just refraining from engaging from their material altogether and not giving them the thing that they're looking for, which is, which is your views, your clicks, whatever, maybe it's that. Um, but the, how do we do better moving forward in my mind is we need to be self-aware and saying that whenever something even remotely controversial comes out, whether it's an accusation 
or whether it's like a proven thing, right? Um, a proven transgression, whatever it is, from accusation to there, whatever our first response is, whatever our first response is, yes. regardless of whether we like the person or not, we need to ask, why did I respond this way? Yeah. Yep. Like it, it's going to take that hard question. Um, that asking that question has meant the difference between me being willing to file witness statements and reports against people that I considered my friends who did who did heinous things, um, who are older than me, um, who've been alive longer than me, who I respected and looked up to. Um, being able to ask the question of why am I reacting the way that I am at first? What is my gut reaction? And questioning that is essentially what what be, what made me what gave me the strength and the courage to be able to do that. Um, understanding that I'm not betraying them because they are the ones who betrayed others by their actions. And so we have to do the hard work of asking question or questioning our own gut reactions when people we care about or even people we hate are accused of or even proven and convicted yeah. on the crimes that they've done. Yeah. So that's my thought there, Tony. I don't know if there's anything that you want to end with or encourage people to do. As always, we want to talk about this idea, you know, that balance. I think the, the point we talked about with the balance of grace and repentance, um, we want to bring healing. That's ultimately the point of this podcast is to give a voice so that there can be healing. Um, if you're just screaming into the void, I mean, that's, yay, I hope it makes us all feel better. But the point is that I, we believe it can get better. And, and the reason we bring this up, and it is very... We want to be very sensitive, um, you know, and respectful. Um, but there has to be a balance between that grace and repentance. We want people to be able to grow and learn. But at the same time, when those opportunities are given, you have to take them. Mm -hmm. um, you can't just, you know, Jack Sparrow and watch them sail by. <laughs> Love those moments. Yeah. You know, you, you have to you have to take them and you have to repent and you have to show contrition. Um and 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 I should say you should live out contrition. I want leaders in the church and leaders in the world really that when they do pass away from something tragic like this, or when they pass away at all, I want to be able to celebrate them. I don't want to have to make an episode like yes. this. Yes. Like this isn't fun. Yeah. Um, I want to be able to celebrate those leaders. And so what I want to do is create a is culture. do my is create yeah. a culture and yeah. do my part to influence that culture in a in a way that we we do find those great leaders and we celebrate them and we we celebrate people who do it the right way, not people who do it the unethical and wrong way. And and, and when someone who does do it the right way, mm -hmm. then we then surround them as a community mm -hmm. and and praise it. And if Ravi had stepped down. If Ravi had given up part of the platform, even even a portion of the platform that he had built with with those misdirections and, and hyperboles and everything, this would be a different episode. It would. It would be all about the beauty that repentance has and what can come of yeah. it and how he demonstrated that. Um, Rather than not. Yeah. So this is all of that to say, we hope that you are able to, um, to think twice um, and, and to think carefully and wisely. Um, what is it? Be uh, harmless as doves and, and wise as serpents. Mm -hmm. um, and how you interact with leaders, people you respect, and even your friends and family as well. So thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you in a couple weeks.